Hey, what's up, guys? It's Joel. If you guys haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Heat vs. the World podcast. And now, stand up. And make some noise for your host, Joel Jacob. What's up, Heat Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Heat versus the World podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joel Jacob. And you can follow me on Twitter at JoelKJacob underscore. Without further delay, let's meet today's correspondents. First, we got George. What's up, guys? We got Christian. Hey, Heat Nation. We got Anthony. One down, 15 to go. We got Kevin. What's good, everybody? And last but not least, Orchard. What's up, guys? All right, so to begin today's episode, let's talk about game one for the Heat as Miami got the first win of the playoffs. They won by a score of 115 to 91 against Atlanta. Leading the way, you got Duncan Robinson with 27 points and eight threes, Jimmy Butler with 21 points, six rebounds, four assists, and three steals, PJ Tucker with 16 points while being four of four from the three point line, along with having five rebounds, and Kyle Lowry with 10 points, nine assists, and four rebounds of, of himself. Um, after being off for a week, Miami went back to work and ended up getting their first playoff win at the FTX Arena since 2016, which actually came against Kyle Lowry and the Raptors. As Miami is now 15 wins away from earning title number four, how are you guys feeling after watching the Heat win game one? Start us off, George. I mean, you really couldn't expect a better game from the Heat. They, they played with tenacity. They played with purpose. They played to win. They really, really did. They, they, they put their brand on their sleeves. They went out there with a purpose to really, really show the world that this is the most disrespected team, I think, in, in probably in NBA history. It really really strikes me as, as quite disrespectful to have a team play this well for the entire season, you know, barring a few games every now and again. But to then go into the finals, as go into the, the playoffs and really not be talked about in any capacity. And it, when we were getting talked about, we talked about how we had a you know, possibility of losing in the first round to the Atlanta Hawks. So to go out and absolutely dominate them for, for 48 minutes of, of pure basketball, actually 47, then Kevin Knox came on. But um, we should have won that game by 35. We really should have. But to shut down a player that we were just talking about yesterday, um, shut him down to a point where he was the biggest non-facet. I think he might have had one of the worst playoff performance games of all time. 
and that was that's not even a joke. So there's nothing I can say but but great job and let's keep up the tenacity and um as Anthony said, one down, fifteen to go. Right, Christian. How about you? I think this was a great game for Miami. Definitely a great first playoff win, uh, first one in FTX since uh, 2016. And I think just as far as my expectations, Miami definitely exceeded them. Uh, when I thought of this game, I figured that, you know, Bam and Jimmy would probably go for like 20 some odd points. Tyler would go for like close to 30. But Miami was able to pull off a really convincing victory, even though Bam only had six points on one of five shooting and Tyler only had six points on three of 11 shooting because those were two of their main scoring contributors from the regular season. But it's nice to see Duncan Robinson actually step into that role, go nine of 10 from the field and just have an amazing shooting night. On the other side of the ball, we have the Hawks where Trey Young, after having a pretty electrifying performance against Cleveland in the uh, second part of the play-in was absolutely atrocious. Just one of 12 from the field, 0 of 7 from 3. He didn't look like Trey Young at all. He just looked like he was chucking up shots out there. So it was definitely a super embarrassing loss. The Hawks only shot 39% from the field and 28% from three. It was not a great game for them. I'm not expecting this to happen going forward. However, I just have to point out that this was a terrible, terrible playoff performance for Trey Young. So uh, if you're Miami, you're definitely looking for him to do more games like this going forward. Right. And what's on your mind, Anthony? Well, it's as simple as that. You took care of business. Uh, you made a statement game. You definitely wanted that after the embarrassing out that they had last year. But they took care of business. The Hawks were coming in with no rest. You know, a lot of people were freaking out saying the the disadvantages of being a number one seed because you don't find out the opponent, you know, two days in advance. But to me, yeah, that's a disadvantage, of course. But the advantage that you get is so much greater than that. You're playing a team that is coming off an all-time high intense game. In the Hawks' case, they were the ninth seed. So back-to-back play-in games, which were win or go home. So to exert all that energy in those games and go up against a team that's been rested, it's just such a major disadvantage. And in a case like that, you should come out, you should kick that team in the mouth and win by 30 points, and they very nearly did. Uh, we knew that Capella would be out. John Collins came back. That was a little bit of a surprise. He was okay. Obviously, didn't do too much. I'm sure his hand wasn't 100%. Other than that, I just want to state how I spent several like hours after the game just watching defensive highlights, not even blocks or steals, just stops on defense. Like, which other franchise is that locked down defensively that you can just sit there uh, and watch defensive stops and the whole crowd gets hype over that? It's just a really awesome to see how, how awesome the defense played. It's really cool. Right. And you, Kevin? Yeah, it was great to see how the Heat came out game one. You know, again, like we all know what happened last year, you know, get that taste out their mouth, come out, get a win, set the tone. Um, a lot of people was kind of making um, excuses, you know, talking about how the Hawks were in the plan and things like that. Well, I mean, they should have just won more games in the regular season. They wouldn't have been in this predicament. You know what I'm saying? They would have been a higher seed. So um, I loved it, to be honest. And I wouldn't even consider it a complete like team game. I really just thought, like Anthony just mentioned, it was a defensive masterclass. Like that's all it came down to. Like, I don't think, you know, we'll talk about it later, but I don't think some of our guys had, you know, the games that they usually have, you know what I'm saying? And really, you know, Jimmy came out, set the tone. I thought Kyle was just doing his thing as a playmaker. Bam was a menace, you know, definitely should be DPOY, but we all know that's a whole other conversation for another day. But um, to me, it was just a defensive masterclass. And, and honestly, I think we're going to win a lot of games like how we did in this game. Maybe not, you know, blowing a team out consistently, but, just hang our hats on the defense. And that's what this team has been built for. And it was beautiful to see, come, you know, them come out and put on a show. 
Ray, and what's your take, Orch? Ah, uh, this was a very satisfying win. I mean, I, I expected us to take game one, but the amount of disrespect that we've been getting from the media and fans has been unbelievable. I mean, it's like George was saying, it's just so disrespectful. Like we are, we've proven all season that we are a worthy team and to have this much doubt is just awful. And I, I really liked how Miami opened up the series. You know, obviously we still have, we still need three more wins to win the series, but it was still an amazing performance. I thought everyone did a great, a great job, even though, not everyone we expected scored as high as they did. I think they all had their great, uh, um, they, did, uh, they all contributed pretty good. And we had 35 assists. So we, we played some very unselfish basketball. We hit 18 three-pointers. And we and that's like everyone was saying, this is more of a defensive win for us than an offensive win. You know, we held the Hawks to 91 points and they average 114 points per game. So that is extremely good. And, you know, the other thing is that the 91 points, I mean, that a lot of that was from garbage minutes in the fourth quarter. So it was just overall great game. I think everyone did their part and Duncan went, went off. Right. You know, looking back at this game, you know, everything went so perfect for the Heat. You know, one thing is that you got Trey Young who only had eight points, which was great to see. And one thing that I want to bring up is that, you know, Kevin, you brought this up. And, I, and I'm and i so glad someone did because I hated the excuses some of the Hawks fans had. Like, I get it. I understand, you know, you might be a bit exhausted from those two playing games. But guess what? If you were simply the seven or eight seed, it wouldn't be too stressful. Not even that well. You know, if you were at least had a playoff spot, you would not have to go through all this. But that wasn't the case. So, and I get it, injuries are a thing, but look at the heat. You know, we've been bowling now and we're the one seed. And that's why we were able to get the rest that we got, you know. And it's honestly ridiculous. And, you know, you look back at this whole game, it just went Miami's way from the start all the way to the very end. And, you know, like one of my favorite moments was definitely seeing Duncan Robinson go off. Like we will talk about this later on in the episode, but, you know, for him to receive so much hate, like it was just such a feel good moment. And you can't wait to see what else he's going to do for the Heat come this playoff run. I also think it helps from coming off the bench. And, you know, overall, we'll see what this Heat team is capable of doing because obviously, you know, after getting slapped in the face, you know, this specific game, I think the Hawks will probably try to come back stronger come game two. So, you know, Miami just got to be ready for it. And I know they will be. So, you know, that's basically all I got to say for that. And, you know, moving on, you know, we got to talk about, you know, a lot of the things that we saw from our players because they came in and they were able to form all kinds of highlights during game one. And because of that, it's now time for us to pick who the spotlight heat player of the game should be. You know, when seeing who stepped up big for the Heat, like who do you guys think should be crowned like the spotlight Heat player for this first one of the postseason? Uh, give us your pick, Christian. I know I already took everyone's pick because if you don't pick him, then you're just wrong. Uh, Duncan Robinson had one of the best games of the season in the first game of the playoffs. Nine of 10 from the field, 27 points, eight of nine from three. He even hit the only free throw that he had. He was a plus 16, which was the highest plus minus for any bench player of the Heat. But it's just great to see that Duncan, even though he's no longer in that starting role, he is absolutely going to tear it up off the bench. 
So it's definitely a great confidence builder for Miami. And there were a couple other players who made key contributions as well. But as far as just a statement game for a player who necessarily hasn't had the greatest season, or at least not as great as he'd like to play, I have to go with Duncan. Right. And how about you, Orchard? You know, I think the obvious answer is Duncan, but I'm going to go in a little bit of a different direction. I'm going to say Jimmy Butler, just because, I mean, I was looking at some post and I was saying one of the things was about who has the most playoff pressure on them this season. And I saw Jimmy at like three. And so I feel like there's a lot of pressure on Jimmy to perform well after last season. And I think he did an amazing job to start off this series. Obviously, we don't know how he's going to perform later on in the series and even in the playoffs. But, you know, just to come into this game and start off like this was amazing. And I'm not surprised. You know, Jimmy over the years has received a lot of criticism. He did it in Minnesota. He did it in Philadelphia. I think he even did it in part of his time in Chicago. So, you know, he's, he's used to, you know, getting a lot of pressure put on him and a lot of criticism. And he just doesn't let it get into his head. He, he moves on from it and he performs really well. And I thought he did an amazing job to start off game one versus Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And how about you, Kevin? Yeah, I'm going to go with Duncan. Um, I was debating between a few guys, but I got to go with Duncan um, for obvious reasons. Like, I remember on this very show a few months ago when Spo first put Struess into the starting lineup and everybody was talking about how Duncan so bad and Duncan didn't deserve his contract and blase, blase. And I was just like, you have to, when you're a shooter like that, you're going to go through slumps. Like, we've literally seen Steph Curry, who I think and not, a lot of people think is the greatest shooter of all time. We've seen guys like that go in slumps. It happens. You know, you're not going to hit every single shot in he was going through a slump, and I just said, like, just let him keep shooting. That's all you can – the only way you're going to get out of a slump is by shooting through it. And Duncan, I was saying it, he's built for these moments, and I'm glad that he kept his head held high. He didn't pout. He didn't complain. You know, he accepted his role for the team, and he came out and maximized it. And I've been saying, like, this dude is built for the playoffs. Like, I remember last year, game one, I think he had, like, 26 in Milwaukee. Like, he was the main reason that we were in that game, and it went to overtime, even though we lost. But, like – He's built for the playoffs. Like, guys like Duncan are cut for the playoffs. And so I was just glad to see him. Again, I say it all the time, stay the course and keep shooting that thing because, like, he's one of our most, you know, volatile weapons. And when he's hot, it just makes life easier for everybody else. And so shout out to Duncan, man, because he had a hell of a a performance. And, you know, I just – this is what I expect from him. Right. And how about you, Anthony? Well, I'm going to go with the best six man in the league. And I'm not talking about Tyler Hero. I'm talking about the fans, man. They came out. They showed up white hot. They didn't even give out T-shirts yesterday. They gave out towels. But still, you saw everybody wearing white uh, because everybody knows white hot time. I was glad to see they brought that back. They brought Seven Nation Army back, which I love. I'm so happy they brought that back, too. Uh, It was rocking to that. They played Peppas with four minutes to go in the game. The whole building was rocking. And you can tell the whole team really feeds off all that energy, especially defensively. Uh, so just to pick someone a little different, man, I'm going to go with the fans. They really showed out yesterday. Interesting choice. And how about you, George? I think it's really, really difficult to pick one. I know the, the obvious choice is Duncan and or Jimmy. They both had incredible games, but I'm going to go an even further direction. The reason why I'm picking this player is because he didn't play that long, played 27 minutes. He had a terrible shooting night, but what he does for this team is allow everyone else to get open. Bam and a bio doesn't need to score, doesn't need to do anything else but what he does right now. He is the defensive anchor. He allows Duncan to get over. The the amount of screen and rolls that he does with Duncan to get him open 
the the ability to feel safe on the defensive end, knowing that he's there, so that these players like Duncan can can focus on their offensive game. Jimmy as well. You you need to uh, people that watch the NBA today really only so like most of them that I see are, are fans since the career was doing well and Harden was dominating. Having big statistical performances is fantastic, but when you're playing 38 minutes a night, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot easier than when you play with Bam. Bam played 27 minutes. They gave 15 to, to Deadman and he didn't even play that, that well offensively. But the fact that he, what he does on defense is amazing. Um, it just allows so much more to happen. And I know people are pointing it out in the chat. He had the best plus minus tied with Jimmy, uh, 20 plus 27. So when he's on the field, we're in a different, de- different, different demon. And I know there's a slight injury to him now, hoping everything's okay, but he's my player of the player of the game. Right. That's honestly a really good choice because, you know, when you looked at those switches and everything, like he made so everything so easy for this heat team. And, you know, for me, I'm going to take a different route too. And I'm going to go with PJ Tucker because, you know, when he first came to Miami, you know, some people were skeptical about the decision, but, you know, he's coming and he's done so much this season. And, you know, one thing that really helped out was the three point shooting in this past game, because, you know, let's see, like we, he was shooting great at first, but then, you know, came the old star break and coming back. We noticed that he sort of struggled. He once lead the league in um three point field goal percentage, but because he kept missing his shots, he eventually started falling in that list. And, you know, like he came in yesterday and he just played amazing. You know, he had, he was four from four from the three point line. He would shoot some of his threes near the Atlanta bench and would have something to say to them after a couple of those shots, which was also great to see. Like he brings that toughness, which, which is what you love. And then you also have the fact that he has that championship pedigree as well, being on that Bucks team last season. So for him to be a part of this championship adventure, like it's going to help Miami a lot big time. And, you know, I can't wait to see what else he's going to do for us because he's just that important to this team. And, you know, when you have a guy like him in the locker room, someone that can toughen these guys up, you know, you love it. You know, it's perfect. And, you know, that toughness, that energy, everything he brings, like, I feel like we can talk about the impact PJ has on this team for like a whole episode because that's how much of an impactful player he really is. But, you know, anyways, that's our Spotlight Heat Player of the Week. Um, To those who's listening to this pod on the Five Reasons Sports Network YouTube channel, we'd love to hear who your Spotlight Heat Player of the Week is as well. So go ahead and comment down below and tell us who you think deserves the honor of the Spotlight Heat Player of the Game not weak since we're doing pods a little more often than usual. So, um, yeah, but anyways, it's also time to look back to game one and talk about some improvements the Heat can make to be even better come game two. After all, this is a Heat team that is only focused on improving their game. As PJ said after the win during the press conference that although they got the win, they could have been better. With all that being said, what are some improvements that could be made come game two? Kick us off, Anthony. So, obviously, they played a very solid game all around yesterday. But one of the things I want to mention that I didn't like yesterday and is kind of a trend for Spolstra a little bit is he's, for some reason, he left all the starters in the game when they were up 30 with eight minutes to go. 
when it kind of got to that point, they went on a nice run to push it up to 30. I was kind of screaming, call timeout, get these guys at the game. At that point, that's when I felt comfortable to get them out of the game. Uh, to me, there was no reason why they were still in the game. He ended up taking them out three minutes later with five minutes to go. So at least he did take them out of the game. But it just scares me having the starters in. There's no reason you can't call timeout and just get them out immediately because it scares me. I was watching game one in 2012 when Derrick Rose jumped in the air, 30 seconds left in a meaningless portion of the game. It was already over. And obviously he got hurt. So you never know what these injuries, man. And obviously it scares me. And then even after that, he brought in the bench guys, but not all of them because Max Struess was still playing. I don't understand that. Max Struess is a starter. There's no reason you couldn't have seen Oladipo or Markeith or UD. Maybe it's looked at as a little bit of a slight to those guys because those guys are champions and former all-stars in Oladipo's case. So maybe garbage time is a little bit above them or below them. Uh, But still, there's no reason to have a starter in the game that late. I don't know what the deal with Oladipo is. He wasn't in the team picture either. I don't know if that's sus or coincidence or not. Uh, Just a weird thing I picked up on. So I kind of wish Spo would get these guys guys out of the game a little bit earlier in uh, these blowout situations. Right. You know, and honestly, like, don't even remind me of what happened in Derrick Rose. Like, that's still such a tragic thing to look back on to this day. And, you know, overall, like, you know, that's a good point you brought up because I was wondering, like, with the heat up like 30, you know, you got like Jimmy and all them still in the game. Like, you know, it feels like it should be time for some of the other guys to step in, you know, guys like here and all of them. I don't know. I mean, I've never really questioned Spo's decisions before, but like, I don't. I didn't really get the point of it, having them out. But, you know, I don't know. He probably has some reason for it. Who knows? Uh, let's see. Orchard, what's on your mind? Uh, first off, I just want to say I totally agree with Anthony. You know, I want to, like, a little more recently, but the fact that they played Luka in the last game of the season and he got hurt was really scary. I mean, I'm not a Mavericks fan, but I can't imagine what they're going through because, I mean – they already lost game one and they could potentially go down 0 to two in the series today. So yeah, that I was a little concerned that he kept them kept in the starters for so long and he kept Max Struson and a couple of other players that should have probably been on the bench. But, you know, besides that, I would have liked to see us turn the ball over a lot less. I think that's a common problem that we've had all season. Uh, I think we have 15 turnovers in the game, maybe 14. And, you know, something I definitely want to limit uh, coming into the next couple of games because while Atlanta might not, it might not matter against the Atlanta series as much. It'll hurt us definitely later on in the playoffs. And yeah, that's something we have to definitely do better on. We need to hit our free throws. I mean, we, I think we shot 61% from the line. Definitely something that was, uh, especially Jimmy Butler. I mean, I think he missed four free throws, which is not like him at all. So I, I, I really hope that we hit our free throws because we might not be up by as much as 30 in the next game. So you know, free. You you always look back in games, and you're like, "What if he had hit this, these many free throws?" And it could have. It can definitely change the outcome of a game. So definitely hit our free throws. And you know, the last thing is Hero and Bam. I mean, I think Bam did an amazing job on the defensive end, so I'm not really concerned about his scoring. Uh, a low amount of points, but you know, Hero, I would have liked to see him score a little more. Again, it doesn't really matter in this game because of how much we scored it. We we won by. But, you know, again, if it's a close game, we're going to need him to step up, especially if we have other guys like Jimmy or Lowry not scoring a lot. Um, I think that's pretty much it. Just one quick thing to point out was the fast break points. We only had five fast break points. And I, I just think that's something we could do a little better on because I think I think we can I think we can score a lot more on fast break. 
And that, besides that, I think we did a phenomenal job. Not really much else to say, uh, considering how much we won by. Mm-hmm. And you, George? Yeah, as everyone's pointed out, we really had like probably one of the all-round best games we've had in a long time yesterday against this um, this Hawks team. But this, there's no game without improvements. I think that we have to limit the amount of times they're going to get to the line. And I know that's it's easier said than done. It's a it's a ref's whistle sort of thing. You just you got to really put yourselves in the best position to 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 limit these fouls because earlier on in the game we we were getting into some pretty weird dangerous territory in foul trouble, um, which didn't end up metastasizing to anything. Uh, we had, the only player getting into four fouls on the night was Gabe, but it was earlier on we were kind of giving away way way too many free throws. They ended up shooting twenty seven to our eighteen. So you got to limit it. They do hit their free throws. They shot an 85% clip last night. So it's, it's one of those things that you'd rather give up. You know, you would, you rather not give up these hard shots, but it's very, um, it, it's, it's going to be a team effort because to, to not foul means to be in the best position every time. So it's one of those things you gonna have to give up sometimes to, to get the best result. But if we can try and limit, you know, players like Trey Young getting seven, you know, seven free throws a game. It's 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 probably keen to look at as well. But I'm I'm not too worried about it. I think we've played the same way we did today. Any other day, we, we we're going to sweep them anyway. So it's going to be, you know, a wait and see situation. Right. And what's on your mind, Christian? I think that the main thing here, uh, as far as defense, overall shooting. Miami did a lot of things very well and they executed down the stretch in order to keep Atlanta from coming back. But I think the most important thing uh, to focus on for next game uh, is definitely not fouling because 22 personal fouls, uh, that's a lot. And it's going to put Atlanta on the line. Atlanta shot 27 free throws, which is not what you want to see your opponent doing, especially if they have a good free throw shooting percentage that could really make the difference in the game. I also just want to turn our attention to Miami's free throws They went 11 of 18 from the line this game. So that was 61%. It wasn't that much of a difference maker this game, but in closer games, if you're missing six, seven free throws, that could really change the tide of that game. So I think Miami just has to focus on playing better defense while having active hands. Don't foul excessively. And also take a little bit more time at the line to make sure you hit those free throws because they're called free throws for a reason. Right. I agree. You know, like, I was definitely a bit concerned about it, especially when you saw it from Jimmy, like missing, as you said, Orchard, I believe like four free throws, you know, like obviously in a game like this where it wasn't really close, it really doesn't matter. But when you're in a game where it's going to be close, it's really important that you're making those free throws, especially for a guy like Jimmy who knows how to draw fouls and stuff. So you know, hopefully that, you know, game one was just simply a weird situation and something that he'll bounce back from, you know, regarding the free throws and, you know, he'll be able to shoot better because like I said, you know, that's one of his main strengths, being able to attack other players and being able to draw those fouls that can get him to the free throw line and get those points on the board for Miami. So, and that's hopefully, like I said, a one-time thing moving forward in the playoffs. And, you know, we'll see what happens from there. Like, overall, you know, it's it's even hard trying to talk about improvements for this team after seeing such an amazing game like that. Because there's really, 
everything that went on was so great. You know, Bam playing amazing defense, even though you got clowns saying you shouldn't be defensive player of the year. You know, Jimmy having a good game, you know, starting to officially, you know, I guess you could say bounce back from this last season. And, you know, everyone's just doing great right now. And that's all you could ask for is from that game one. And, you know, you can't wait to see what happens come the rest of this playoff run that, you know, before we move on, like, you know, I feel like it's time that we now just address like another player that was hooping that, you know, we talked a lot about earlier, but I feel like it's only right that they get to be the star of this specific segment. And without further ado, it's time for the Heat Muse stat of the game. And before we get into it, make sure to follow Heat Muse on Twitter for all Miami Heat stats. His handle is Heat M-U-S-E. Mom, with that being said, Duncan had a, himself a career day as he finished with 27 points, which is a playoff career high for him while shooting 9 of 10 from the field, along with being 8 of 9 from 3. It should also be acknowledged that those eight three-pointers is now a playoff record for Duncan, as he was originally tied with Mike Miller and Damon Jones for having seven threes in a playoff game for Miami. To add on, Duncan also had a true shooting percentage of 129.3%, allowing Debo to have the most efficient 25-plus point game in playoff history. And, you know, when you look at these stats as they're presented, like, what do you guys make of this amazing performance by Duncan? Uh, tell us, George. I think it tells you that it's just an incredible player that that we were right to pay in the end. And I'm going to fall on my sword here and say I was completely wrong. A couple of pods ago, I was, we were talking about rotation issues, and I said that Duncan could find himself out of the rotation for this Hawks game. Now, if you ask, if you said, if I said that 24 hours ago, there's some merit to it. But after seeing what he did, it's been, it's, it's nothing short of of incredible what he did last night. It was really, really something special and something to behold. The fact that he can have such a mediocre season, but walk into a playoff game off the bench in 22 minutes, put up 27 points of nine and 10 shooting. It's, and he did that Dr. J reverse layup, which really, which was better than any three that he hit in my opinion, even the one where he got fouled and still went in. But I got to tie back into teamwork as well, because Bam, the way Bam gets him open, and makes this this offense tick and run is is just it's it's art. It really is to watch. It's just fantastic, and it's the way that basketball should be played because it's a team sport. And you know a lot of teams write us off because we don't have that one star. But you know the Spurs, <laughs> the Spurs when they when they were you know killing it, they had a massive massive depth on their team, and and, and it worked to their advantage. We we have that depth. And going back to the point, Duncan, when it comes down to it, is the depth. He he comes off the bench and to put to be our leading scorer in only twenty two minutes is just great. But this this team needs him, needs his shooting, and and hopefully there's just better games to come from him. I just I hope that Eric doesn't sorry Eric, <laughs> Spolster doesn't really mess with the rotation that much because I think bringing him off the bench kind of suits his game a little bit more. You got to light that fire in in, in you know, in these players, you really do look at Tyler Hero, who was really having a quite a down season. It wasn't even a down season; he actually improved a lot from his first season. But um, he he had a, a season that wasn't up to his standards. They put him off the bench, and look at him now. They lit a fire under him, and he's he's the sixth man of the year unanimously. So, uh, Duncan deserves all the respect, and 
I hope we can see just better games from him in the future. Right. And Orchard, how do you feel about Duncan's performance? It was great. I mean, I think the biggest factor for me was how efficient he was. I mean, scoring 27 points on 10 shots is absolutely amazing. And it's tough, you know, when you don't get many shots like many stars in the league do, it's not easy to score that many points. So he got 10 points and I mean, sorry, he made 10. He got 10 shots, sorry. And he made nine of them. So that was the most impressive part for me. And, you know, the, the other factor was that I, I think he shocked a lot of people, uh, Heat fans, NBA fans, the media. Because, see, when you look at players like Duncan, what us Heat fans will see some positives in him. But because of the amount of negatives he's had this season, because of his shooting slumps, it gets passed out to the media as negatives. And no, no one outside of the Heat fan community are going to see the positives. And so, you know, the amount of slander Duncan's been getting has been atrocious. And, you know, the fact that he came into this game and performed really well, you know, I hope he consistently can do it because, we you know, he has a pattern of sometimes performing well and then struggling the next couple of games. But, you know, something just felt a little different about this performance. It was just his mentality coming off of it. Uh, and, you know, it's like George was saying, I think I think we should keep him off the bench. I think he performs really well off the bench and, yeah, I love I love to see it, and I hope he continues to play this way. Right, and uh, Christian, you? It was just a sensational game from Duncan Robinson, and as I said before, he's my spotlight Heat player of the game. It's actually super impressive that he made NBA history in being the first player to to do that in a playoff. Just to have the true shooting percentage of one one twenty nine point three that that's insane. It's almost unheard of. So I think it was a great game for Duncan. And it could be a sign of things to come. And this just speaks to Miami's depth as an NBA team. The fact that Duncan, who really is more like eighth man in the rotation now, is just coming out and scoring 27 points. Meanwhile, Struess, just a couple of weeks ago, he's dropping 30 points. Caleb Martin, he's dropping big buckets on the Bucks. You know, there's a lot of talent on this Miami team. And I feel like it hasn't even reached its full potential yet. So that's definitely what makes Miami one of those juggernauts of the East especially the fact that Depot didn't even play. I think that, you know, you just see a lot more potential for this Miami team, but congratulations are definitely in order for Duncan Robinson. And I'm hoping he could follow up with a similar performance in game two. Right. And you, Anthony, listen, making shots is one thing. Okay. Anybody could stand there and make shots. The level of difficulty on literally every single attempt that he had last night was just wild. So the fact that he was able to go, eight and nine from three, nine to 10 overall. Cause even obviously the jelly layup he had wasn't easy either. So the fact that you were able to have such a high true shooting percentage uh, with that level of difficulty is crazy. Like he really makes it look so easy, but I can't state enough how hard it is to be shooting off the dribble while running around nonstop and to still have the legs to get that kind of lift and square up the upper half of your body to able to look at the rim and just nail it every single time. I'm not even sure if he hit the rim yesterday. So obviously I feel great for Duncan Robinson. Uh, whoever put the headband in his locker room, shout out to them too, because maybe that turned him up a little bit too. Uh, and yeah, that, that's an insane true shooting percentage, as Christian was saying. Basically for, for people that don't know, that, that takes into account the value of three-pointers and free throws. Uh, and there's a formula that you calculate it. And literally all of the top 10 leaders in true shooting percentage this year were big men. They were all centers or power forwards because they're close to the rim. Obviously, you're not missing many shots. 
So for a guy to do what he did yesterday, it really is an all-time performance. And I'm excited that he can shut the haters up a little bit because I've certainly been in his corner all year. Right. And George, I know you want to add. I just want to go back to a point about um about I was making before with the depth. The fact that we can have Tyler Hero, Max Schroes go f- uh, six for 19 from the field, one from nine from three, and still win by 115 is just is something that we thought that wasn't possible because I remember the start of the season, even a little bit into the season, we're talking about how scoring could possibly be an issue for this team because we really don't have that many bucket getters until we until we see it in effect, like we saw last night. Um, Duncan comes out and puts up 27 points and really carries, you know, the offense on a, on a wide scale. Really gives us that 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 energy pump, that edge when it comes to to playing in these clutch situations. But we were winning by 30 at one point. Like we didn't even <laughs> we didn't even need Duncan as we did the hero or shoots to score because this team is so well rounded in how they play, passes the ball so efficiently that these true shooting percentages actually they 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 reflect the bigger picture and how how well we play when it comes when it comes down to it. So uh, Duncan to have that game is a byproduct of how well the team's playing as well. And when it comes down to it, this team. At any given night, anyone can put up those numbers. Really, it is possible. So today it's Duncan. Tomorrow could be Hero. The next day it could be, you know, Bam putting up 35. It's just, it's it's never ending with this team. So, so many weapons, so much to look forward to. Right. You know, for me, looking back at his performance, you know, it was just such a good thing to see from him because, you know, we paid him $90 million and, you know, a lot of people were concerned about it because it's like, you know, he's not having that good of a season, you know, it's just an overpay or what. But, you know, for him to go out there and have those type of games, you know, like that's what we need from him, you know. And um, George, you brought up a really good point, you know, because you have guys like, hero and screws who didn't necessarily have good games so to have a guy like duncan go out and just shoot the lights off of the court like you know y'all y'all know what i mean like it was just overall amazing to see from him and you just can't wait to see how much more he'll do for this team because will he will he make um eight of his nine threes next game you know probably not probably a little less than that but we know that he's going to be ready and he's going to be fearless with it, you know. And that's one thing that Jimmy brought up in that um, post-game interview after the game finished. Like, he said it himself, you know. Like, Duncan, he was brave with it. He was fearless with it. Like, he was going out there and shooting like there was no tomorrow. And it paid off big time for the Heat and was a big reason why and we were able to blow the Hawks out. So, overall... Great performance from him, and I just can't wait to see him continue to prove those haters wrong because if there's any time to do that, it's during this playoff run for the Heat. Anyways, so before we close out today's episode, it's important that we talk about this upcoming game for the Heat as we get ready for Game 2. With Miami currently leading the series one to nothing. Like, what do you guys expect from the Heat as they try to get their second win of the series? Uh, give us your take, Orchard. You know, I think the one thing is to continue our defensive effort. Gotta. I, I don't think Trey Young is going to score eight points again because we all know that's super unlikely. Uh, I hope we still keep him underneath his normal average. I don't, again, like, I, I think he'll still score a good amount. I don't think he'll score eight, but 
you know, if we can keep him to, you know, around where he averages or a little bit less, that would be great. And, you know, I, I forgot to mention this in the first segment, but we also kept Herter and Bogdanovich to a pretty low scoring night too. So, you know, if we can continue our defensive efforts against the Hawks and hold them to lower than usual. I mean, that's always a positive. So that's one thing, you know, obviously we're not talking about improvements, turnovers is going to be better, free throw shooting. And I, I've seen, I see that a couple of our players are questionable for tomorrow, like Bam and uh, Deadman and PJ, but you know, I, I'm sure they're all, they're all going to play. And so, you know, I don't have much to say, you know, I don't expect us to win by a huge margin compared to last game. So, you know, we've got to make sure we keep the same effort throughout the entire game. And yeah, I mean, I don't have much to say because they, they, they already started off the series on a great start. So that's all I have. Mm-hmm. And you, George? Yeah, it's about keeping that intensity, the same intensity, because this Atlanta Hawks team, as much as we talked, you know, we've talked our stuff about them all week and, and it's time to back it up because this is a team that's going to look at what happened last the other night and say, you know what, this isn't going to happen again. And, you know, they're, they're, they're not in the playoffs for no reason. We've got to remember that. But keeping what we do at the highest level we can do it is going to be the best way to beat them because, you know, Trey Young's going to want to have, going to want to have his, uh, his bounce back game, his chip on his shoulders there again. You know, it was there last night, but Jimmy got the better of him, really did. So it's about keeping that intensity, um, about rebounding better as well. We, we need to crash the boards, especially um, if, if they start getting, you know, really, you know, if they put an emphasis on that as well, they do have a lot of big bodies out there. So it's going to, even without Clint Capella. So it's about playing the boards right. Uh, even getting, you know, passing the ball as, as well as we did the other night, we can always do better. So keeping, keeping the ball moving, keeping the guys ready. Um, and, and to a point as well, if there's a point in the game where we're winning ahead by a lot, resting the big, you know, our, our stars, like we did last night, you know, PJ playing 24 minutes is important because he's getting to an age where he can't really play those 30, 35 minute nights. Keeping Bam at low minutes as well. While it doesn't look good on the stat sheet, it works well for us because we, we can call upon Dwayne Dedman to go put those minutes in. Um, but but keep what we did the other night in, in the back of our minds and use it as a blueprint to move forward and we'll be completely fine. Right. And you, Anthony? Well, we already know that Clint Capella will be out again. That is a, That was already officially put out there. And they said anyways that he was going to be reevaluated in a week. Um, obviously, this might be a little bit of a different series if he was healthy, just because he provides such mismatch issues for the Heat because he would probably be the biggest guy in the court almost at all times. But other than that, like George was saying, if they keep bringing the defensive intensity, if Bam Adebayo keeps playing the way that he was, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I don't know if y'all heard that screaming, but that's Trey Young screaming because he knows that he's going to get locked down again. I'm predicting less than 10 points again from Trey Young and the Heat win by 35. Oh, okay. I I thought someone was getting murdered outside your house. <laughs> it's Trey Young. It was. It's Trey Young. Bro, you got to put a muzzle on your phone, man. I so um. <laughs> Christian, how about you? You know, I really can't back up my take with the sound effects. Again, hats off, Anthony, for the second pod in a row. Properly using sound effects and catching everyone off guard with your take. <laughs> but I think it's going to be another win in game two for Miami. I could see it being a similar margin of victory. I don't know if Trey is going to have as terrible of a game as he did in game one. 
However, I can see Miami winning by double digits again. Uh, I'm going to give my final score prediction as 111 to 98. I think it's going to be a little closer, but I think down the stretch, Miami is just going to execute better than Atlanta. And I think we could see a 2-0 victory heading back to the ATL for Miami. Right. For me personally, I also expect Atlanta come in with a much better fight than last game. Um, but I also expect the Heat to run off with it at some point. Atlanta will probably keep it competitive a little longer than they did last game. You know, maybe all the way until the second half. But then Miami will just take off with it and will probably win by double digits and probably by a score similar to what you said, Christian, where, you know, it's not like about 20 or 30 points like last game, but still a respectable amount for the Heat. That's to get ready for those next two games in the ATL. So overall, I think Miami should be ready for it. And I expect everyone to play. You know, I know there was been news about Bam and his quad, but I'm sure he'll be ready to go. And now with the news that he just found out about not being a defensive player of the year finalist, I know he's ready to go on that court and show people like, okay, see, I don't want to make me one of the finalists. That's fine. I'm going to make y'all look really stupid right now. So I can't wait to see what he's going to do come this next game. Anyways, we talked so much on today's episode that before we end it, make sure to check out our Twitter and Instagram page at HVTW Podcast while checking out our website at hvtwpodcast.wordpress.com. That way you can still have access to 24-7 Miami Heat content even when we're not recording a new episode. Also, we hope you guys enjoyed today's episode because we'll be recording a new episode after every playoff win for the Heat, meaning that if God is willing, we'll have at least 15 more episodes to drop before we officially close the door on season two of Heat versus the World. Anyways, thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Heat versus the World podcast, and we'll see you guys soon with another episode. Hit my music because we out. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time with a brand new episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast.